Welcome, welcome your backup plan tribe to this week's podcast. It's going to be a great one. If you guys have anybody that you know of that's a caregiver, you better listen up today. So our show today is called The Clutter, Chaos, and Emotions as a Caregiver. And if you are new here, welcome your backup plan tribe to our show today. Thank you for coming on board. You are talking taboo with Tina, taboo subjects. Yes, we talk about death and retirement and financial stuff and disabilities and hurricanes and natural disasters and all that fun stuff. Well, and of course, funerals, but we have fun doing it. We focus on real raw conversations with our listeners about their journey from a life changing event in their life. What is your backup plan app exactly? Well, it puts your life all in one place in case of any unpredictable circumstance while taking that painful aftermath out of the tragedy. What the heck? Does that mean, Tina? Well, it means one thing we can count on is that we're all going to die, get sick, get disabled, get injured, or lose everything in a natural disaster or a tragedy. Wow. Really? Yes, really. At some point, we are here on this earth to live our life, and unfortunately, things happen. As I say, shit happens sometimes. So prepare for the unexpected because it won't happen to me, does happen to you. I hate to tell you that. But we're not Superman. None of us are Superman. None of us are superwomen. But we'd like to be. And we live complicated lives. And we're going to hear about that today, actually. We need to get better prepared, like the pandemic, like the wildfires that we've all experienced, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, the volcanoes, the, you know, the storms, the flooding, all of these things that happen in our life. And we say, shit, I should have been prepared for that. And I wasn't. You know, sometimes we're given five minute evacuation notices and I say, thank you because we're not given five minute notices for every tragedy or happening in our lives. We are not before a car accident, before a car hits you, you know, you don't say, hold on a second. I want my five minutes before I get hit. Doesn't happen like that. So let's guys, let's get better prepared. A famous quote from Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Yes. So we're preparing to launch our emerging, emerging blueprint program, which goes together with your backup plan app. It's a, it, it digs deeper uh, into the why, what, and how to create your own DIY plan with using the app at your side as your assistant. It's a complete library of videos, of inter, uh, interviews with attorneys, accountants, funeral homes, all of that sort of stuff so that you get the real goods about what to do, how to do it, and why you should do it. Um, you also get notifications of when something is coming up for renewal, which is very, very helpful because I know so many people that have, you know, had an insurance policy come up and they didn't even realize that it was already finished. So, to start off, my name is Tina again. Um, I'm an emergency preparedness coach, a best-selling author of In the Blink of an Eye, because yes, just like that, in the blink of an eye, things happen. I'm a financial expert, an app developer of your backup plan app, and I'm located right here in beautiful Vancouver, BC, Canada. Welcome to our channel if you are new. If I'm super happy to have you here with us. If you are repeat visitors or if you've just found us, you're here for a reason because you probably would like to like and share and subscribe to our channel. And I bring out my hand because... Right down here, you can press the subscribe button and click on that bell so you get notified about our upcoming videos with our beautiful, beautiful guests. 
So um, I'd like to welcome United States and Canada, of course, uh, for listening, for being, being one of our biggest viewers and listeners of our channels of podcasts and YouTube channel. I'd like to thank our German listeners, also meine deutsche Freunde sind unserem Podcast willkommen. Wenn sie Kommentar haben, können sie gern Fragen stellen. Also danke für deine Freundschaft. Danke für Zuhören, meine deutsche Freundin. So thank you everyone for coming on, listening to our channel. Uh, let's get this party started with our wonderful guest today. Let's bring on Lisa. There we are. Lisa's, sorry, oh, I knew I was going to wreck this. It's such an easy name and it's so difficult to get your lips around it. Lisa Zaratoni. Close. Almost. Le almost. Zaratni. Zaratni. There, I knew I could say it when you said it, but I, I myself, I couldn't for some reason. But I'm, that's okay. Lisa here has come to us from uh, back east. And she is a founder of Positively Productive Systems. She is a product productivity and organizing coach. I don't know what's wrong with my words today. Host of Positively Living podcast with a focus on caregivers, grief, and trauma. It's a beautiful, awesome podcast. I, uh, I recommend it to all our listeners as well. Um, I probably will be adding a few of those to one of my channels on uh, Facebook that I have a caregiving page for. So um, Lisa comes to us with unbiased, in-the-trenches story of grief, of uh, being unorganized when it comes to being a caregiver and realizing it and how she's out there helping others that are or will be going through this dilemma as well. So thank you, Lisa, so very, very much for coming on our show today. Where did it, this all start for you? Oh, thank you for having me, Tina. As I mentioned to you before, whenever I can share my story, I do it so those of you watching, you know, listening, know that you're not alone if you're going through this. And uh, it's interesting to think about like where this started. It, I suppose it started with the idea that uh, we knew we wanted to give my mom the best golden years of her life, you know, so we invited her to, to come live with us. And we kept the invitations going and and actually increase the frequency of them as we noticed that i guess her her abilities were were slipping a little bit you know something was going on with her handling a big house on her own and and even a business at the time and and so we kept saying our home is open and finally uh she said okay and it happened to coincide with my being pregnant with my firstborn so i was pregnant with my son and we moved her in to our home. And at the time we knew something was up, uh, but it could have been, you know, as you get older, things just tend to slow down a bit and, and slip a bit and become more challenging. And at first, she really did perk up by being with us. And uh, we had the opportunity to, to really share in the joy together in the same place when I gave birth to my son. And then, uh, you know, a couple years later, I was pregnant with my daughter. But during that time, I could see my son starting to, to grow and to understand the world around him and to make connections and to learn. And at the same time, I could see my mom's ability to navigate her surroundings sort of close in on her. And during that time, how old uh, was she, Lisa? She, she was in her 80s. Okay. And she, uh, you know, we took her to the neurologist. And at first it was like, this is, you know, advancing dementia. And we kept an eye on it. And I can remember thinking, well, okay, well, whatever it is, I'm glad that she's with us. She's safe. And basically, it was almost in a subtle way, I had taken over being the matriarch of the family, right? The mm -hmm. one in charge of everything. And that gave her the freedom to not have to worry. It reduced her stress and, you know, put her in a better position. But I took on that stress. 
I was good with it. She had done that for so many people in my life. She was a caregiver to my dad and I helped her with that. She was a caregiver to my grandmother. The woman was a caregiver to everyone. So I was ready to step in and do that. Although I had no idea what it would entail and what no. would come. <laughs> What's involved? <laughs> Yeah, it was just like, okay, we got to do this. I don't know what this is, but <laughs> uh, but but we're gonna do it. And did you know, sell her house and everything. Then did Make you what? Sell her house, and it was like a real transfer. Oh yeah, no, it was a real transfer, and even that was a whole story uh, with you know so many issues in terms of the market not not working for us, and then us trying to rent the house, and it it became like one one challenge after another because of the things that we didn't know, especially down the road, having to do Medicaid paperwork and all of the requirements they have, what's called a look back, you know, which is five years. Um, at one point it was three, but at the time we were doing, it was five years. I don't even know if it's more now, but it, there was so many things that we just were like, okay, let's try this. Let's try that. And we moved her in and went about our lives, but it was like with an additional person in the home. And then it was scheduling the doctor's appointments and checking on her and making sure she had a neurologist and kind of monitoring things. And eventually I said to the neurologist, okay, so it's dementia, not Alzheimer's. And he was like, oh no, it's Alzheimer's. Uh, okay, thank you for, you know, giving me a heads up on this. And then I came to realize that it doesn't really matter what we call it. It's mm -hmm. what's going on in the moment and what we need. Yeah. So we proceeded and I, I went to every resource that I could possibly find and asked resources that I had if they knew of other resources. And so if this is something that you're heading toward, I highly recommend going to your local office for the aging and connecting with them, going to alzheimers.org and, and checking in either with local programs or just checking mm -hmm. in with someone on the website, uh, they have so many resources available, and that's one of the first things that I did. And it's not that I could ever get ahead of it, per se, but at least I could kind of get a handle on it and saying, okay, now what do we need to do? And the bottom line was I needed to keep her safe and happy, and I needed to keep my children safe and happy. And you forgot about you. Isn't that the way it goes? And when people say, do you have any any regrets walking away? And I'm, I, you know, I live a no regrets kind of life, you know, but, but really, uh, if I were to do something differently, uh, yeah, I wanted to have more patience, but what can you do? It was taking care of me. It was prioritizing and understanding that self-care uh, isn't what we think it is. And it uh, is most certainly not optional. It is absolutely mandatory. And I I didn't fight for that quite enough during that time. Well, I mean, most moms have such a hard time just yes. with their house, with their husband, with their kids, their stuff yep. that they have to run to and go to and homework. And, and then you've also got um, your mom. And so, I mean, normal people in a regular family, that's enough just on its own. Yeah. Without the mom part. So yeah, congratulations Lisa, <laughs> on that one because that's a hard job. Thank you. I uh, sometimes I look back and I'm like, I, I tell the story and I'm like, I don't know how I did it. And I'm a, a very, you know, appreciative, happy, optimistic person. So it's tough for me because I want to describe the situation and I want to tell you how dark this time was and how difficult it was. But at the same time, I'm smiling and I'm like, and it was a blessing and I had many life lessons. And I'm like, but you know, it was both. It was both. Eventually, I think it's my autobiography. The title is going to be, why can't it be both? Because really it is. It, it's that duality that we have in life and it's how both of these things can happen. There were joyous moments, but it was also the deepest, darkest, most draining time of my life. And I did walk away with an incredible number of life lessons, the biggest of which is when we say don't sweat the small stuff, you'd be surprised how much of it really is small stuff. Yeah. But when you're in it, you don't 
think you about don't. that way. No. No. What do you think was probably the most frustrating for you if you look back at it? What do you think was the most I would say the fact that it's the unexpected and that things would just change at the drop of a hat. Now, to be clear, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor and you, you always want to check in with your neurologists and, and your, your professionals that can help you understand what's going on. But based on the guidance that was given me, this was not a fast-paced changing kind of disease. So we would progress along. But the things that would happen uh, just slowly, almost, you know, when it's slow, it's almost a little more insidious that way because you're plugging along doing your everyday routine and then something is said or a response is, you know, there that you're like, wait, what do I do with this information? And it was the fact that you have this person that has been the strongest person you've ever known your whole life. The one who's cared for you the entire time, the one who has made the decisions and not just that, like, this woman you, has you, been there for you has been there. And, and you mentioned uh, your, your German uh, listener as well. She, she hailed from Germany and she was as tough and hardworking and incredible as you might imagine. And then for that to slip and to have these moments where she couldn't take, you know, multi-step uh, directions or she would say something to me that was completely out of line, out of character, uh, that expressed her confusion, saying things, you know, memories about my dad, uh, having been to a place that was local to us that, uh, well, he never stepped foot in the place that we were living at the time. And having to learn how to not have that knee-jerk response where you are you're just so ready to be like, no, that's not true. And and you want to correct it and you want to fix it. And you want them so desperately to understand. That's what I find really difficult. Yeah. I get that. Uh, well, one of the best pieces of advice that was ever given me, and I have quoted him on other podcasts, uh, Stuart, he was the facilitator for the Alzheimer's Association for the Alzheimer's uh, Caregiver Support Group. And he said, you have to ask yourself each and every time this happens, do you want to be right or do you want to be sane? I'll take the same. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Boy, I was like, I'm taking that with me. I'm going to use that again and again. <laughs> I think we should put it on a t-shirt. I think you are right. And I'm going to get on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's true. It taught me, it taught me about letting go in so many different ways, letting go of expectations, letting go of, you know, the need to be right. And, and it's not even that, that we have this response, you know, in a negative kind of way. It's just, it's a natural response to be like, okay, my brain is computing this information and that's not correct. So I'm going to correct it. Well, plus you expect your parents to know what's correct. That's Absolutely. what you've grown up with all your life. Yeah. So it's hard when it's not. Yeah. So navigating that emotional territory, I mean, the fact of the matter is I I have tended to be a bit more organized than others. And, and that makes sense now with what I coach, you know. So I had my notebooks and I had, you know, I, I tracked everything. And that is actually one of my favorite tips is to to track what's going on. The, the Of course, the I, I would say the biggest issue I came across is not knowing what else I needed to do you know, moving forward, that would have set me up better. And I love what you do because of that, because it's so important that we have the hard conversations that we figure out what it all entails. Now I can tell people, go to an elder care attorney, go get yourself set up, make sure you have a healthcare proxy in place. None of, I had no clue about any of that stuff. So I tracked things well in a notebook. I kept the family fed and safe and happy, but navigating that, that terrain, uh, in terms of like all of the complex paperwork and all the requirements and then the emotional side of it. Mm -hmm. Having I mean, those discussions, it's difficult. Well, and especially when you're right in it. I mean, it's actually yeah. easier to have these discussions earlier when, when everyone is still yes. functioning at their best. I'm yes. not saying it's pleasant, but 
It's definitely well, we try you know, to make it pleasant in our well, workshops. Get yeah, oh, the wine out, get the coffee out, you know, have a little bit of fun with it because it's hard. Exactly. With you, I could totally see it being pleasant. I, you know, it's one of those, it's not, it may be simple, it may not be easy, but it's simple. And so, but if you do it earlier, it just, it makes things so much better. But yeah, those yes. were, I mean, those were my stumbling blocks. I, you know, retros, retrospectively, I can, I can tell you <laughs> all you of can, the checklist things I, I wish I had, the things I'd wish I'd known. Yeah. You can mm. really dig it actually. Um, the problem that I saw near the beginning, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this, is did you know where your mom's stuff was, like all of her paperwork and her accounts? and, Or did you have to like start from scratch to find all of that out? It was kind of a mix because uh, we benefited from the fact that we had moved her. So we needed to go to, uh, you know, certain banks of hers to close things out and start fresh. And she did happen to have an accountant, which really helped, you know, having different, you know, reps that you can go to, to gather stuff. But when it came to like the paperwork, oh my word, no, <laughs> that was like digging through and hoping you find things. And, and especially because over time, you know, it was harder and harder for her to keep things organized. Yeah. You so. knew where keys were and accounts and that type of thing. It was a mix where some were, you know, uh, keys, keys to the house, keys to the cars. Yes. Uh, wasn't necessarily any uh, deposit boxes that I recall, but uh, you know, it was, I think more the paperwork and, uh, and I know that that's the bane of many people's existence is, is, yes. is filing the paperwork. So the more that you can get that under control and even having paperwork or having a dedicated binder or, or notebook again, that can say, and here's where you're going to find these things mm -hmm. would be huge. So it, that's it's, right. And that's yeah. what we do in the emerging blueprint is, yeah. Let's get the stuff out. Here's what it looks like. Go find it. Yeah, exactly. And so I, it was a mix, like I said, um, some of it, you know, we were able to, to pull uh, and I, you know, I had control of her papers, thankfully, in that I could just go through all of the drawers, all the bins, all the boxes and stuff like that and, and start looking for things. But there were so many things I didn't even know to look for to begin yeah. with. So yeah, well, we don't, we don't know yeah. what we don't know. And so I feel like I've given the um, power, the empowerment back to yeah. families where they can understand what they need and why they need it and, and, and helps you understand the process better, I think. It does. And, you know, of course, my bias is is organiz organization, because when we are organized, when we aren't dealing with the clutter, when we aren't frantically searching for something which, you know, spikes cortisol levels and, and makes us, you know, makes our us fat. <laughs> it does. That's a real thing. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, we have like a crazy stress response when it comes to like searching for things anyhow. And then when yes. you're searching for something that's like a critically important document, I mean, that's huge. so stressful. It is. So if we can do that ahead of time and put that away and know that in a moment's notice, we can grab that. I mean, that calms you down. And then it's going to be hard enough when you're in the middle of an emergency, when you're in the middle of a crisis, when you're doing something like caregiving, where the roles are now reversed, and the person who cared for you, you are now caring for, and you are having to just understanding. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's an ineffable emotional response to be in that moment that's hard enough without exacerbating it with the stress response. I didn't response, do this. I right? didn't do that. Oh, shit. Or where no, am I why? going to find this thing? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I've done both. So I've, <laughs> I've been there. I've been there where I am scrambling through bins. And now I say one of my tips whenever we do uh, physical organizing is I'm like, if you're sorting through papers, you know, you want to yeah. keep it high level. But if you see a critical document of some kind, anything, you know, that's uh, that's bank or uh, birth certificate related or things of that nature, pull it to the side and set it in its own bin 
you'll thank me later because it's yeah. so stressful. So how difficult is it when the parent becomes that when you ask them what a document is that you found and they can't tell you or understand it or know, or, you know, that's, it, it's like they're already dead because you're on your own to figure this stuff out. Yeah, that's so true. And this is especially so with the case of dementia and Alzheimer's, where, um, you know, they're unable to give you any feedback. I mean, maybe if you're lucky, they can say, yes, that's my signature or or something like that. But you're pretty much uh, solving the puzzle on your own at that time. All the more important to start the process earlier. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, what about medical? I'm sure you've dealt with a lot of medical issues with that whole. Yeah, I mean, so medical paperwork, uh, medical rules and regulations and figuring out patients' rights. Uh, there was a time, I mean, oh, goodness. So not only was I now understanding about specialists and neurologists and diagnostic testing and dealing with insurance companies and trying to figure out what you had to submit, there were also uh, a couple of times when she injured herself. And uh, one time when she was in the hospital and I was like, I, I can't even get her into the house, like physically up to her room. She has a broken ankle. She's not supposed to be walking on it. And she's not going to remember that. Right. So now you have a person who cannot follow rules. I mean, literally. Like a teenager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like like a teen, a, a teendler, like it's yeah. a teen toddler. Right. And <laughs> that's not going to happen. And, uh, and the, the, the hospital was like, nope, we're releasing her. And I'm like, to whom? And, oh, and it's just God. trying to understand like, okay, do I get to say no or don't I like, how does this work? And all I'm trying to do this entire time is take care of my mom and do the right thing, but at the same time, trying to protect my children. And it was the scariest thing when I got to a point where I'm like, caring for my mom is putting my children in danger. That's, I can't. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm saying these words and they still, they still don't process properly in my mind or my heart. It's so painful. And yeah, not understanding how to navigate and what the rules are and what you can say yes to or no to. Um, understanding that there's, um, you know, in different facilities, there's ombudsmen who can, you know, speak on your behalf, uh, things like that. You don't, you don't know this until you're in it, unless you start having conversations ahead of time. What I find the most difficult and from other people as well, is the doctors, they go to their doctor's appointment mm -hmm. and they think they're quite fine, just like a teenager. I, yeah. I, I always I always use the words as that because I think it's like a really bad, uh, not toxic teenager, but an attitude teenager. That's what I always relate it to. Yeah. Because they think they know, but they don't. Yeah. And so the doctor relays the issue to the parent. But when you're asking the parent, you never get the story right. Or they don't understand it. Yeah. Or they're not like, and so there's this thing where they still want to have their own life and their own usual way of going to the doctor and dealing with things. But that ends at some point, right? Because you can't, like I'm finding, I can't get the story straight. Yeah, that is incredibly important too. And, and here's where, you know, stepping in and having the conversation early to say, set me up as a healthcare proxy so that I can come in and I can answer questions and I can see reports and talk to doctors and have permission to do so, so that you know, they can talk to me as well. Now, in the case of a, you know, some kind of accident, you're going to need that if someone, you know, isn't conscious to speak. But what you're talking about is an even more frustrating scenario, keeping in mind too, and this is, you know, based on my experiences, this is my understanding of what's going on, is that we all want to save face, 
And that is what they are doing because it must be scary as you get older and you're not remembering quite as well and you're not getting along quite as well. And especially so if you have something like dementia or advanced, you know, some form of advanced cognitive decline has to be scary because you're still in it and it's happening. So you're experiencing it and you don't want it to be so. So you're denying it. You are trying to save face so that you can feel confident. And so, I mean, but, you know, even for those of us who who don't have any of these issues and are younger, how many times do we like, my back's been hurting for a while, but I'm not going to the doctor for that. It's fine. Right? Yeah. We do this constantly. And, but you're right. At some point you need to be there because my mom would have told the neurologist everything was peachy and she could, you know, had the ex- I don't know, had had things memorized, you know, she could she could do plenty, according to her. But thankfully, diagnostic testing and even simple tests that they will do where they will say, draw a circle, draw the face of a clock, draw it to the certain time, you know, things like that. Very, very simple tests that they will do to see how the brain is functioning. We're able to show us what we knew that that something right. something was happening and it was the weirdest combination of relief and kind of devastation to see that happen all in once right yeah very complicated because it was like i know something's going on and she's going to deny it forever yeah but this is proving that there's something happening and we need to keep on it yeah um what do you think it was harder having just your mom or would it have been twice as hard with your dad and your mom going through it? Oh goodness. Yeah. I mean, now, interestingly with my dad, I, I did as a, a younger secondary caregiver spend a lot of time in the trenches. Uh, I was actually the one who spoke to the cardiologists a lot. So his situation was that his brain was great and he could, you know, uh, joke and converse right up until the end, but his body was giving out. Whereas my mom had, you know, the uh, opposite situation Mm -hmm. where she had a very strong body from working hard all her life, but her brain was not, uh, you know, it it was, it was not progressing with her. Deteriorating. It was absolutely deteriorating and going in the opposite direction. So with my dad, I I mean, yeah, anytime you are caring for more than one person and it's going to be exponential, I would say, because it's not just twice as hard because now, yes, it's twice as much of the things that you would have to do, making the doctor's appointments, doing the paperwork. I didn't even get into prescription issues, keeping track of all the medications and dealing what's working, what's not working. Yes. Which again, with Alzheimer's can be very, very tricky. I've thankfully been able to advise a number of people that have dealt with this to, to understand that a big part of Alzheimer's drugs, at least up until this point, and my understanding of it is that they are holding the symptoms of the disease or holding, I guess, the progression, if you will, at bay. So oh. how not, not, uh, it's like, it, or slowing it down really, uh, to the point where it's like, you, you wouldn't see it as much, or maybe it'll be, it's, it's like holding on to what is still working and not allowing it to progress quite as fast. And again, I don't know what fast means. It's a relative term in this case, but yeah, because it's, it's different for everybody. I find some absolutely. go on for 10 years and yeah. some last a year. Uh, yeah. My, it progresses at different rates. Right. Mine was mine was five, uh, five years from the point in which we moved her in and things were starting to slide to her, you know, being unresponsive and uh, no longer saying my name and and really not not even knowing what was going on exactly, but there, there's, there's so much happening. And those are, are the medications that they use in this scenario are, they're very difficult to, to figure out if it's actually working or not. The mm-hmm. only way you'd probably know if it were working is if you stopped using them, which is as complicated as if you are using, uh, 
what is it, SSRIs, you know, your, your different kinds of um, uh, medication that you use for depression and anxiety and things like that. So it's one of those, you know, it's a big guessing game. Right. Um, and just for listeners to know that in your backup plan app, there is a section on the medical where you can quickly just take a picture of the prescription so it logs it so that you can go back in the log and see, okay, she had that last year. It didn't work. Oh, okay. You know, so that you can have a better understanding of, of what's what and what the issue was when you went to the doctor as well. Mm. You just type it in. So, yeah, we all yeah. forget. We forget our, our own surgeries and our own medical prescriptions and things like that. So it, I just found it nice to know it's logged somewhere. And every time you go to the doctors, there's going to be a question. They're going to ask for a list. They're going to want to know. And even if you remember specific medications, you don't remember actual dates. So that's extremely yeah. helpful. Yeah. 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 Because you forget so quickly. I mean, the best of us do. So. Yeah. With all the demands uh, that we have. <laughs> um, so tell me about your family relationship with all of this going on because that takes a toll. Yes, it does. So understanding that I was very close to my mother and I was very dedicated to her and I still to this day, you know, uh, he gets a shout out right now, my husband, Jeff, what a wonderful selfless gift to say, bring her into our home, care for her, and I will take a back seat. And it sucked. Okay, let's put that out there. It totally sucked for him. And it could have gone in two different directions. And in many cases, it does where um, that could have been enough where it was like, I'm neglected and I'm not having this. And not only that, but we had a right in the thick of this, it, it, not just two kids, not just a sandwich caregiver scenario, but a toddler and an infant. And so, a husband. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by, oh, and the husband, by the way. Just gave him a shout out. Better give him another shout out because, and oh, the husband, yes, who was working and we were still running a business together. And there was, oh God, there were so many facets. Uh, we did the very best we could to have fun together. Like you do here, you know, we're talking about serious things, but we're laughing because there is joy to be had. Um, there's ridiculousness to be had. You know, we we live on sarcasm and puns. And so my children learned both from an early age. Um, <laughs> I live for that, oh, mom, kind of moment. But uh, we did the best we could to kind of circle the wagons, be together do fun things where we could do stuff together. I will say that it was an extreme strain on a relationship not to have alone time. It was an extreme strain to never get along. Well, I mean, I think we were very lucky that we could get along, but we didn't often have a chance to be together to get along. I mean, or if we did go somewhere, we did have an opportunity to do something. It was everyone. Because it's hard totally. enough to get a babysitter for an elderly person. It's hard enough to get a babysitter for one or two kids. Getting a babysitter for all of them. Uh, yeah, that was. Did you try to have date nights then and stuff like and getaways? I mean, we tried, but it was near to impossible. Hard. It was so difficult, not to mention expensive. Now, when we were lucky enough, like uh, my mother-in-law, one of the most amazing women I know, when she would come to visit, she would handle them all. God bless her. I don't know how she did that. But, uh, you know, or, you know, friends of mine would come in and distract, you know, they would. And the thing is, is that when my mom was doing something that she enjoyed or around people she could have these quiet moments and it would be okay. So it was really short periods of time. Most of the time we tried to have that. It was almost like the date night in, which a lot of people during COVID, they, they needed to do this kind of creative stuff. Well, we pioneered a lot of that. I, I pioneered <laughs> a lot of stuff before we had this pandemic. Uh, I figured out, you know, because we also had a lot of costs involved in doing this. This was not a situation where we brought her in and then we were getting money for it. You know, it was quite the opposite. So 
I learned how to bake bread and cut hair and we had date nights in. Sounds a lot like people <laughs> during the pandemic, right? I was yeah. ironically uh, quite ready for the pandemic as such. We did the best we could to connect with each other, but I think the biggest thing was just communicating. And a lot of times the communication was, I have nothing in the tank right now to give you. I wish I could, but I'm, I'm drained. And it would be like, I understand. And it was acknowledging that we wanted to, but we, we couldn't. Yeah. Between and work was, and home and 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 everything. So, yeah, we did the best we could to to spend time together, watched a lot of Disney movies, <laughs> you know, and uh thankfully, you know, I'm a kid at heart, so I I enjoyed all of those tremendously, but I think the the biggest challenges were just there was no time for each other and also for that critical thing that I will shout off the rooftops forever and ever, which is sleep. Yeah. Because you've got it all. You've got an older person and two young kids. Yep. How old are they now? 14 and 11. Oh, nice. They're big helps. Helpers they are now. amazing and they are funny. And honestly, even though it was the hardest thing to have them so little when this happened, they also were a huge lifeline for me in coming back out of this and uh, turning the dark into light. As well as there has to be something said about the, your parent being with the kids of that age as well. The bonding that they have. They'll never forget what they yeah. had with their grandmother. Yeah. Um, we we called her Omi. <laughs> and uh, she had a chance to bond with my son a little bit. Uh, and that was very special for her. And it was very special for him. She didn't have as much time with my daughter. At that point, it was this cute little baby that she got to hold once in a while. So but what I would say is this to your point, that even though it was extremely difficult, and I was also resentful of the fact that um, most people that had children that I knew of that age, had moms that were helping them. And I was in the opposite situation but where i went to have gratitude about this this moment in time was that it never hurts for your children to have more people surrounding them that show them love in whatever capacity she may not have been able to show them in the same way that a grandmother who is you know cognizant 60. right yeah. you know could do but she showed them love and she and and also too i hope in some way that I modeled for them. Uh, not only what I did, but the lessons I learned and how I'm changing that around now. Mm -hmm. um, you're very lucky to have a supportive hus husband. Very. But I could see a picture happening like that where the mother comes in and the husband can't get along. Yeah. With that person. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's the dad or the mom. So I'm not sure what would happen there. <laughs> Well, there's been many situations like that where, um, you know, who knows, either he leaves or they, they find a, a facility or, you know, maybe that would have been a scenario where it didn't happen in the first place. I'm not sure. It, it was a lot. We definitely took a chance. And uh, it was a, it was a beautiful gift, but I will also say that I am so grateful to have come out of it and to have been able to rebuild everything that we have as such. Yeah. Yeah. And not miss a step along the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, it's, you know, either going to, going to break you apart or it's going to, you know, bring you together. And um, I'm forever grateful that it managed to bring us together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can go both ways. Um, what about uh, people having to get away just respite? You know, they're, that's tough to find somebody just to give you a break. Yeah, I mean, even like you said, the date nights or anything like that. So I will say this, that the, uh, the, I would say the uh, elderly, you know, um, I just, I, the office for the aging, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, places like that do have information and provide in, you know, uh, different kinds of connections to respite. And I do think 
probably considering that this is, you know, like my, my son is 14. So, you know, he was so little at the time. It was that long ago. So many more facilities and resources have popped up now that provide respite opportunities so much more than I had at that time. Right. And it, it, it's a real challenge and it's, it's a real expense as well. But again, if you can have the conversations earlier, if you can understand that, you know, going to an elder care attorney and understanding, you know, how you need to transfer maybe certain assets and, and start paperwork earlier for Medicaid or, or things of that nature. If you can get the ball rolling, know where everything is and, and start proactively planning for a time that may happen, you can be in a better position to have respite care. I'm, I'm right. a, I'm a cautionary tale for sure. I think uh, some of my clients have mentioned it's difficult at the beginning. Probably you had the same experience with your mom being mm -hmm. in her house, but they think that they can deal with being alone in their house. Yeah. Whether they're still together with their spouse or not. Yeah. They want their independence. Yeah. Um, but they don't see what's coming right. for some reason. And so I know I found it difficult with my clients mentioning all of that as well. But for example, the one is looking for a different smaller house to move into, mm -hmm. but there's like five or six steps up to the door and they say to their dad, well, I'm not sure if that will be appropriate for you to purchase, or you'll have to redo the front to incorporate a ramp or something because you should be looking for a place that's level right. but oh well i'm not there yet or that that's you know that's not even an issue like they don't it's like they've lost their focus on what's coming or they don't want it to come or i think that's the bigger yeah, part I, of it I, I don't know i don't get it <laughs> i mean who, who who knows completely but uh but my my thinking is that they they don't want it to come. It's like it's not here yet, so let's not be doing that. Um, that's the same mindset of people who you know talk about well, what do you want to do when you pass away and talk about burial trusts. I mean, I'll tell you during this whole process, I learned how amazing a burial trust is. And yes, you are talking about extremely difficult extremely topics. difficult topics. Mm -hmm. I had a, a guest on my podcast. Um, we had met as professional organizers, but she's an estate organizer. And it, it came about because she lost both her parents at exactly the same time in a car accident. And they had to sort through it all. Can you imagine? I mean, no, what a mess. I mean, your system would have been amazing in that scenario. And yeah, yeah I mean, it's like the idea of having it prepared ahead of time. And, and here's the thing too, is that even when you do these preparations, even when you do these plans, even when you purchase a house that maybe is one level instead, you could also get to a point where that isn't needed eventually. But just in case, it's like we have insurance and, and, and it's awesome when we don't need to use it, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it gives us a peace of mind that it's not something that we have to uh, you know, contend with down the road, whether it's, uh, I mean, because who knows, especially like just with the house example, permits yeah. and cost and, and all the things that you would have to do to modify. Whereas if you choose something that you, it's like when we choose things for children to grow into, that's okay. But yeah. I understand it's that opposite direction that everyone wants to pump the brakes and, and just kind of like, yeah, no, I'm not looking. <laughs> I'm not but looking it's at that. true. You buy them the extra size shoes just or the extra size jacket so that they can wear it a little bit longer. You're like looking into the future. But for some reason with parents, they don't want they yeah. they don't want to look at that. So we're not going to because they say that it's not going to happen for some reason. It's like, well, it is. they don't want it to. Right. But yeah. 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 So what do you think? Um, your kids would say from the experience? I think it happened so long ago that the, the memories aren't there, but that they have grown 
seeing me process this, seeing me process the challenges that I had and and how much it hurt to do that, uh, to talk about the scenario where my mom, you know, in a way kind of put me in that position because there was very much this whole thing in my family of you don't put people in a nursing home. You don't put them away. You keep them with you. Yeah. but And a lot we, of cultures do that. Uh, which again, I understand coming from the heart. That's amazing. But then if we're coming from the heart and we want to do that, we need to match it with being prepared for it as much as we can be. And we yeah. weren't. So, you know, it was, it was kind of a lousy combo. I think what they learned is that I processed it. I grieved truly and that I've turned it into something positive by sharing my story, by trying to help others that might be yeah. in this situation. I I help multi-passionate creatives. And those are those people who are the nurturers and the caregivers. Um, and sometimes it's not a caregiver in the traditional sense that we're talking about here, but they are still the ones who are out there caring for everyone and giving, 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 right? Yeah. And then and just like you asked me in the beginning, um, you know, but where, where were you in this? You forgot you. Um, mm -hmm. Those, those are the people that I'm, I'm standing up for. And we, we need to, we need to find that, that balance of, okay, you can say yes to doing these things, but how are you going to have the right tools to do it? If, if right. it matters to you. Right. And I think the parent matters too, because what I've found with clients, who have Alzheimer's or dementia Yeah, um, that there's different sort of degrees of it somehow, because some are very grouchy and crabby and everything's miserable. I'm not really sure why, like how that came into from their life to, to that point. And then there's some that are happy and thrilled with whatever you do or say to them. They're, I, I remember I had a client who had to be put into a home and she thought she died and went to heaven. Like they treated her, they called her the queen Aww. and she thought her laundry's done. Her bed is made. She goes to eat at the table and it's served to her. Like she was the queen. So I'm not sure how you deal with the grouchy one. I'm not sure how you deal with that part. Yeah, that one's so tough. I have a theory that really it's how the person was throughout life and it just shows up differently. You know how they say um, money can can bring out who people really are. Actually, you see that with death too, death and funerals, right? You, yeah. The, the real true nature of people comes out. Well, I also think that uh, with cognitive decline, the mask comes off. And there also may be extreme frustration if they were saving face. If, you know, you go in very strong and having lived your life on your own terms and, and you know, not taking anybody's nonsense and then suddenly you're in this vulnerable position, you, you may not do that, uh, handle that so well. And then the caregivers. Well, it's hard on you because. Absolutely it is. You hate to get anyone else involved because they're such a grouch and. And then the top of it off, it, it, it's difficult for you to even think that, are they appreciative of all of what I'm doing? Yeah. You know how like you, when you grow up, your mom's always saying, I had you and, you know, uh, you know, all of those kind of stories. And I had 26 hours of labor and you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. And, you know, all of these kinds of regular statements that they all make. Yeah. But at the same time, you're in a reversal of looking after them. And if they're not being appreciative, I don't know how you can even handle that. That is a challenge. What I would say, uh, two things about that. One, when you get help, when you have people who are, you know, uh, professional caregivers, they're used to that. And I know you're like, oh, you know, you're kind of embarrassed and, and, uh, 
uh, rolling your eyes a bit and and it's really unfortunate it's always a delight when you can be it's like having the babysitter for the crazy kids and you, it's wonderful when you can be like my child's an angel but you know when they're not so same thing for your parents <laughs> believe me they've they've dealt with that before so they get it and the other thing too is that this is this is where you know the training the coaching that i do in terms of our growth mindset and and how we perceive things comes into play is that we can't look for external validation. It's wonderful when people can say thank you, but in this scenario, they might not be able to. So you have to thank yourself. Yeah. You have to to be in that moment and say, I am doing a good thing. I'm doing it for their own good. I'm thinking about when I had to take my children to get their, their vaccinations and I'd have to hold them. Talk about things sucking. That was awful, but I knew it was for their own good. And so you have to take that, philosophy of saying, okay, they're grousing about, you know, and they're, you know, they, they make curmudgeons look like happy people. And, and, um, but I just, I know that I'm doing right by them. I know I'm living in my integrity. I'm living in a place where I know that I'm giving all that I possibly can. I'm doing a good job. I can't let their response validate me either way. And on right. top of that, their response is not their response, especially if you have cognitive decline. If and if you have anything where now I will say this, people would say, oh, don't take it personally. It's the disease. And I'm like, it's my mom. So my heart goes out to you if you if you deal with this and you're feeling that. So it's not about not taking it personally, but it's about understanding that you need to live in that confidence that you are doing the very best you can in an impossible situation. Mm -hmm. And I think um, if you have the support of your husband, at least you can give that good positivity back to each other. Yeah. He does time, it to this right? day when I process it and I'm going through that grief and that trauma, which I'm now mm -hmm. accepting that it was trauma that I went through. I've been uh, really blessed to have so many conversations with people and, and trauma experts who are like, yes, that was trauma. And when I process it again and again with him, he reminds me of how much I gave and how much I did and how I, you know, did the impossible on the regular. And that's a beautiful thing. You're absolutely right. So whether, whether it's a spouse or whether it's friends who are a there friend, for you. A girlfriend or whatever. Girlfriends. Yeah. They, because they know, they get that. They're, you know, they're dealing with their own stuff. So yeah, with any luck, you can have that kind of conversation with them that that does give you it's it's not that it's validation so much as it's that perspective because they know I think so. And I think it. we forget like you're dealing with it on a daily basis and you really forget about yourself. Yeah. You forget about I I think we expect so much from our parent and yeah. When the tables are turned, it's very difficult to keep remembering that part. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's this constant reminder. And in, in the case of my mom with Alzheimer's, uh, I've described it as um, losing her bit by bit before she she passed away. Very slow. It is. Yeah. It's yeah. the long goodbye. Yeah. Um, so you had her for five years then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what did happened in the end? Did you have to put her in the hospital or? She was actually in a nursing home for three months because we had been working like crazy, I would say the last nine months or so to try to get the paperwork taken care of to get the house finally sold. Because again, all of these assets worked against us uh, in trying to get Medicaid stuff that we wish we'd known earlier. Right. Right. And uh, so all of that, trying to get that all together, but it was definitely at a point where she was sundowning uh, and which is for, for those who are unfamiliar, you know, just really struggling to settle down at night, but you know, kids do this as well. So I had little ones who were doing that as well. She would trash her room at night. She was just definitely a different level of, of incoherent at, at that point. And I knew that it was imperative that we get uh, professional care for her around the clock uh, and to protect my children. Right. So we actually got her in uh, about three months before she passed. So No, that's good for, for everybody around, I think. 
I think so. I think it was meant to be that way. And I, I wonder sometimes if maybe her, her passing went, went faster as a result, but at the same time, you know, I have to stand my ground that I made the best choice yes. that I could in that moment. And that what happened, what was well, meant what's to be. Well, best for meant- her too as well. Well, yeah. I mean, best for everyone involved. And it's hard sometimes to to say, is that best? But you can only know the best choice you can make in that moment. Yeah. It's like a, I had a dog that was dying and wouldn't eat anymore. And it's the same kind of thing. It's like, you know, I used to say, just, just die. Please just die. Don't do this to me. I don't want to have to make the choice. Right. <laughs> I, I don't want to have to do it to you. <laughs> but Tina, when you, did you have to make the choice? Yeah. Did you make it out of love? Yeah. Well, I did it for, for not wanting to have that little poor thing suffer. There you go. So that's There's your what answer. You have to do, right? You make the choice so out of love. Tough, it so is. Tough. Oh, oh yeah. No, it's horrible. But when you make the choice out of love, that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. Because at some point you say, am I just being, um, am I just thinking about myself? Because I want you to still be here. So now I'm just thinking about myself. I'm feeling guilty. So is this best for the, the dog or is it best for me? So that that's probably the exact same type of decision. Yeah. Very much so. So hard. Um, what kind of final message do you have for our wonderful listeners? Oh, goodness. If you are in a caregiver situation, remember that you are doing the impossible every single day. So grace and patience, <laughs> not just for other people, but for you especially. I would say self-compassion, self-care, so important. So please shower them upon yourselves. And support some people that are around you to support. Oh, absolutely. Whatever support that you can find immediately. And not just friends, but professional support in terms of groups and uh, people who know it and who get it. Like anything else that you're trying to do, that you're trying to navigate, the more people that you can connect to who understand the specific scenario that you're in, the better. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you want to talk about it and you want to understand it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Lisa. That's I'm going to have you come on again. I I know I'm sure we could talk about it for all afternoon. (laughs) Um, There's so many things that pop up, I'm sure, that we could have talked about. But guys, I, I think I'll have Lisa come back on and we can take another look at the pain and agony in a different direction, possibly. Um, because there's so many things in that five years that you could probably say, well, this happened in the first year, this happened in the second year, you know, so, um, kudos to you and, and your family for the, for the support and the love that you could do at the time. Thank you. Um, what's I going to say now? Um, so thank you for coming on our show and telling us a little bit about more about caregiving as for a parent. And I guess it would be a little bit different as a stranger, meaning an aunt or an uncle or something along a friend, Mm -hmm. of course. Uh, But a parent is tough because you see them changing in front of your eyes. And that's so tough, so tough to see. Um, and thank you for coming on. I hope our listeners got some great inspiration and motivation from you. You, Everybody, all her descriptions of everywhere she is, Lisa has all her stuff down below in the description box for you guys. Yeah. So take a minute and reach out to Lisa if you want to, um, because she'll be there to help us navigate this wonderful journey um, of Uh, growth, I guess. Growth in so many ways. It really is. Growth and and resilience. And I would love to hear from you and to uh, support you however I can. Awesome. So please take a moment and subscribe to our channel because uh, and click on that bell so you get notified. Uh, When you are thinking about that someone today listening to this show today uh, that you haven't heard from, uh, reach out to them, phone them, text them, Call them, Zoom them, 
whatever it is, reach out to that person today and tell them how much you love and care about them because you don't know what tomorrow might bring. So I hope uh, stay tuned for our next podcast and live streams. I have great conversations with some of the most interesting and accomplished people in the world, just like Lisa, telling us all about caregiving. I think you'll be entertained, informed, and we have inspired and motivated you to create your own unique plan. No one's Superman you know, expect the unexpected. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. You don't know what will happen in an hour from now. Thank you again to all our listeners. We are now into our second season. Thank you to all of you for for being a part of this journey with all of us. We were on all podcast platforms, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok as well. And we have a Facebook group that you can um, join as well. And thank you for sharing uh, your time with us. And I always end with Carol Burnett because Lisa knows who Carol Burnett is. Everybody loves Carol Burnett. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. So long, everybody. So long, listeners. Stay Stay safe. Be kind. Be prepared for the unexpected. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Tina.